G'day listeners and welcome back to another episode of the Keeper League podcast with the AFL Fantasy Podcast that doesn't talk about the superstars, we talk about the lesser knowns and guys that are going to bring you value in your Keeper Leagues. I'm joined by my co-host Kays, as per usual, how are you mate? Good mate, yourself? Yeah, not too bad, had a nice day at Government House today actually, just Lovely. eating eating sandwiches and uh, drinking orange juice, it was nice, nice little breakfast on the lawns there. Nippy's orange juice? Yeah, it was actually, South Australia, um, yeah, um, South Australia's fine. Unsweet and Nippy's orange yep. juice, you can't go Past. Yep, look it up for those people who are in South Australia. I'm not sure yes. if you can get it out of the States. I'm not sure. It's, it's delicious. Yeah. Um, quick, do you know why it's called a podcast? Uh, is it because like the iPod? Yes. Like, it was yeah. an iPod broadcast. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know that until just then. Didn't you? No. Oh, well, there well, you I go. I thought it might be something like that because, you know, iPods yeah. were the original, but now everyone listens to podcasts on anything but an iPod. Yeah, I don't think iPods are still in uh, manufacturing, aren't they? Man, we've come a long way. <laughs> Technology. All right. Uh, this week, what are we doing, Case? Uh, we're going to dissect Hawthorne, Melbourne, and North Melbourne's lists. Uh, I'll go through their, well, my best 22s for each side, and then uh, we'll have a look at kind of six of the guys who might be pretty useful for your keeper league this year. And uh, I know there's a few guys uh, who are pretty relevant now, especially with a few niggling injuries in a few sides. So yeah, definitely. it could be very, very worthwhile listening to this one. All right. Uh, before we get stuck into that, though, we'll get into our league spotlight. This week, we're joined by Dan from Perth, who's going to tell us about his Keeper League. All right, I'm joined by Dan from Perth, who's here to tell us about his Keeper League. How you going, mate? Yeah, really good. Excited to talk about one of the best leagues in the country. <laughs> I like the start. I like the sound <laughs> of that. Uh, all right, well, tell us the name of your league. Tell us the name of the uh, best league in the land. Yeah, so it's called the Wowee Bowl. Okay. Um, obviously named after the great Brian Taylor. Yep. And uh, how long has it been running for? Yeah, so we've had it for, I think this year's our eighth year, I think. Um, it started off just as a bit of a, a super coach, like the normal league. Um, then we turned it into a keeper league, um, moved over to the ultimate footy platform. And yeah, it's going from strength to strength. So on Supercoach, could you ever run it as a, um, a keeper league on Supercoach or did you have to migrate to no. Ultimate Footy to do that? Yeah, I think um, I think we actually went offline and we yep. just did our own sort of keeper league, put the players in from there. Uh, but we switched over to Ultimate Footy probably like 2014. Yep. Um, yeah, and that, that's been good. Yeah, it seems like a bit of a struggle for the Supercoach players to actually play keeper leagues. Uh, I think something needs to be rectified there because uh, a lot of people are asking about that one. All right, so how's your league um, How's your league structured? So in terms of squad size, keeper numbers, list changes, all that sort of stuff, how does it all work? Uh, yeah, so squad size is 22. Um, every year we have four keepers um, who can be anyone. Then we have a fifth spot for a rookie player. Yep. Um, basically, that yeah, it has to be a first-year player. You can keep them as a rookie until they've played 50 games. And then after that point, they actually either become uh, one of your other keepers or you just have to cut them free and start again. Um, yeah, it's like five five midfielders, defenders, forwards, one ruckman, and four on the bench. Yeah, cool. What about in terms of scoring and stuff like that? Scoring is pretty much super coach scoring. Um, I chuck in a few little extra ones, like we had rebound 50s are worth a point. Um, yep. I think, yeah, hit outs for the Ruckman's worth a point as well. Uh, contested possessions, but pretty much like Supercoach. Okay, cool. What about, uh, what do you guys play for? What is, what's your uh, trophy? Um, is there any stories behind or is it named after anyone like that? <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's the Wowee Cup um, trophy. Actually, my dad's the reigning champion from last year and he's been trying to hit me up for a bigger trophy. <laughs> um, but yeah, just the Wowee Cup. Um, our tradition is the winner usually at draft night has to drink out of that for the night. Yep. Um, got a bit dirtier from there because some people were using it as like a toilet roll holder and that sort of thing so jeez um yeah let's, pretty let's good. um let's back up a bit so you said your old man plays in your fantasy league does he 
Yeah, he does. So in the league, it's um, a couple of my mates, my brother-in-law, my dad, uh, uncle, and a cousin, and my father-in-law as well, actually. Yeah, right. So a few of the older blokes getting involved. Uh, that's pretty cool to hear. Yeah, there's the two oldies, and then everyone else is pretty young. Um, but yeah. It's a good mix, actually. It's really good, really competitive. And they actually dominate the older blokes, do they? So the old man won the flag. Um, actually, yeah. My father-in-law won it three years ago. Dad <laughs> won it last year. Um, that's awesome. So, yeah. Showing you uh, young punks how it's done. Um, so anyway, let's talk about, uh, I guess, punishments for wooden spooners and things like that. Uh, do anything there? Yeah, we do. I've been trying to push for more punishments, but everyone else is not too keen. Um, but basically on draft night, last place person just serves the drinks. Um, but we actually, this year, we're bringing in a new rule where the we have a secondary competition, um, which the winner of that gets to then rename the wooden spoon team for the next year. So that's going to start <laughs> this year. So my dad gets a crack at it. So that'll be fun. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Uh, has he thrown out any ideas? Not yet. No, we kind of um, just throw some ideas about on draft night, I think. But okay. um, he's yeah, he's got pretty good wit, so I'm interested <laughs> to see what he comes up with. Oh, sounds like fun. Um, any uh, any other quirks? Any funny stories? Or want to hang shit on anyone in your league? Um, oh, everyone's always giving me grief about because obviously I run it. Um, yep. They call me Dan Dong Un because <laughs> um, basically rule with an iron fist. Yep. They say that I try to change the rules all the year, all throughout the year and that sort of thing. So if anyone's getting put shit on, it's probably me to be honest. Yeah, I'm an ex commissioner uh, as well, mate. And uh, yeah, it's a it's a hard job. It's a thankless job, and you're always getting shit it hung is on you. Thankless job. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Um, oh, apart from that, it's my uncle who can never beat me. Yep. <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> All right. Well, good to hear, mate. Uh, well, anyway, that pretty much uh, wraps it up. So, uh, thanks for joining us on the Cape League this week. And, uh, yeah, good luck this year. Oh, cool. No, too easy, mate. Thanks for everything. Good luck with all your legs as well. Cheers, mate. Take it easy. Now, I don't reckon my dad would even be able to open the browser to AFL Fantasy or Ultimate Footy. He's that computer illiterate and uh, Dan's dad has beaten him. Yeah, I reckon if there's an app on the phone, my old man might be able to manage it, but he'd have no interest in it whatsoever. So <laughs> I actually had to run through to my dad on the weekend what a podcast is. Okay. So I downloaded the podcast app for him on his yep. iPhone. He was very excited. Was he going to listen to us? I was going to say, was he going to listen to us? I was like, well, he's going to start listening to us. I don't think he's going to get the fantasy bug, but uh, yeah, he's probably more excited about listening to uh, conversations on ABC, the podcast there. Oh, so, yeah. No, know, that is a bloody is, good podcast, you know, actually. Great, great work. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, I can't see my dad being involved ever, but you know, I think it's awesome. I'd love that if he, my man was king. Yeah, definitely. Or just keeping it like a family affair as well. You better, you know, the rivalry would be pretty bitter there, I think. So yeah. imagine getting beaten by your old man. Or your old man winning the grand final rather than uh, I would That'd probably suck. Quit. I'd quit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get stuck into the team reviews. Alright, first up is the Hawthorne Football Club, the Mighty Fighting Hawks. Uh, Kay's you got a best 22 for this mob, so uh, why don't you read through it? Rightio, starting from the back line, Jack Scrimshaw, James Frawley and Blake Hardwick. Halfback line of James Sicily, Sam Frost and Ben Stratton. Midfield, Isaac Smith, Tom Mitchell and Tom Scully, with big boy McAvoy in the ruck, and James Warple and Jaeger O'Meara. Forward line of Ricky Henderson, John, Pattis, uh, John Patton and Jack Gunston, with Chad Wingard, Mitch Lewis and Luke Bruce. Uh, leaving Liam Shules, Sean Burgoyne, John Segler and Jarman Impey on the bench. Uh, now, I did talk about this uh, on social media yesterday. Obviously, um, Jarman Impey's probably a bit off with his knee. I think you'll probably be looking between someone like a James Cousins, Dan Howe, potentially Ollie Hanrahan to kind of come in to Just that to, best um, 22. 
two there. Just yeah. to clarify, so you're doing this is if everyone's 100 percent fit and yep. available. Correct. Yeah, we had everyone. a few questions about yeah. that this week. Yeah. So it's not who I think will line up in round one. I just said if everyone's going to be fit, um, that's going to be who's in their in their best 22. So um, pretty talented. There's a good mix of um, youth and experience there as well. So um, interesting to see how they go this year. I reckon. I reckon they can make the top eight. I'm sceptical. I think their midfield is absolute dynamite, but I reckon just looking at their spine, um, especially in the forward line, I reckon their tools are lacking quite a bit down there. They need something that's actually going to... You know, John Patton, you can't really rely on just through injury. Mitch Lewis is still pretty green. Mm. And even at centre-half back, like Sam Frost was pretty rubbish with a ball in hand. Good defender, yeah. but, um, you know. I, I just feel that Sam Frost back there, man, Sicily can kind of run oh, yeah. free. Absolutely. I, I, like, I like the two inclusions there. I think they're very handy, and if they get... Uh, Tommy Mitchell back at any near where anywhere near full capacity. I think they'll be hard to beat this year. Yeah, for sure. I just don't know if it's yeah finals material, but they'll, they'll, they've got a lot of talent there that could come good. For yeah, sure, it's true. Essendon will drop out, so that's one spot that's theirs if they want it. <laughs> All right, uh, nice to see you have so much faith in your side, mate. Don't worry, I'm the same. Um, <laughs> let's move on to actually looking at some of the players. So, first player I'm going to look at is Chad Wingard. Now. Some people might say he's hashtag 2G4P, mm-hmm. which is uh, too good for the pod. But uh, look, he averaged under 80 last year, and that's kind of where we draw the line with our players. Um, so I think he warrants a, a mention on the show this week. So um, anyway, missed a large chunk of last season through injury. I think it was like five or six games. Actually, I think it was more than that overall. But uh, missed a lot early through the um, preseason as well because he had an injury up, uh, interrupted preseason with the uh, calf, I think it was. Um, so yeah, his early season scores were pretty abysmal. And then this contributed to his uh, lowly average of uh, 78 for the season. But uh, look, he rallied later in the uh, at the end of the year and put together a good run towards the end. Um, his his end of the season was outstanding. He scored 100 plus AFL fantasy points uh, in each of his last three outings, and then his last three game average was 113 points. So this is a plus 34.6 differential above his actual average. So um, yeah, these last three numbers might seem like a flash in the pan, which is fair enough. But uh, if you look at his last 10 games as well, he averaged 82.9 over his last 10. So for a forward, you'd take. 82 every day of the week. Um, look, at the end of the season, his numbers basically was due to were due to uh, more midfield time. Um, we all love midfield minutes here oh, at the yeah. Keeper League. But oh, yeah. uh, look, there's the obvious question of Tom Mitchell returning. Um, does he take away some of that midfield time or does Wingard's role um, continue? I personally believe Wingard is best played in the midfield. He's better, more damaging there than he is up forward, um, even though he's quite damaging up forward. He's a, he's a good player, let's, yeah. let's be honest. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm just hoping that Alistair Clarkson thinks the same and keeps him in the midfield. What do you think? I think that you've somehow managed to sneak two ex-Port players into your Hawthorne recap. So I think there's, there's definitely a, some bias here. I think there's more in there. That's because Port players are actually guns, mate. It's just uh, we can't develop them. That's the problem. Uh, can't believe I let you open. <laughs> uh, can't believe I open you up to that. That's just classic hashtag suck Ken stuff there. But um, yes, I agree. When Woodguard's in the the guts, whether it was Port or, or Hawthorne, now I think that he can turn games within a space of kind of five minutes out of that centre square. So I think he's always going to get his way into a midfield at, at some stage during a game, whether yeah. it's ever going to be for a long period of time. I, I don't think so. But you kind of, if, if he was playing, say he played 100% of game time, if he was even 25% in the midfield each game, yeah. like his numbers are going to be drastically above, you know, they're the, the they're the minutes that you know trickle his score above 80 yeah. like if he's playing up forward the whole time he's not going to get there yep. but he's going to have those midfield uh, minutes I guess mm. and that's the scores that are going to push him 80 plus I think when he does that yeah well there's definitely 
everyone, yeah, anyone who can do a full preseason, I've got a lot more faith in than someone who comes into to a preseason like he did last year under an injury cloud. And yeah. it's it's so clear to see most years where someone you know has a bad year because they're injured in the preseason, fully fit this year. Wingard could easily bump into one of the top ten forwards of the competition without a shadow of a doubt. I don't think. Yep. All right, let's move on to your first player. So my first player is the new inclusion to the Hawthorne side, which is the big general, John Patton. So I'm actually pretty excited to see what Patton can do this year. So he missed all of 2019 through injury, but uh, looks back in a big way. So going back uh, two years prior, in 2017 and 2018, when he was last fit, uh, Patton averaged 70 and 71 those two seasons. His scores were pretty decent week to week, um, nothing too low, and uh, could go big. He had scores of 133 and 123 in those years. So what I like about this is I, th- I think the uh, Patton and Frost are two great acquisitions to the Hawthorne Footy Club uh, football-wise. And I think he's going to add a massive element uh, to that forward line up there. So Mitch Lewis looks a player. He's going to come on. I think that means that Patton probably has a bit more um, ability to roll up the ground, whereas Mitchell Lewis might be that stay-at-home forward. So Patton can use his tank, which he does have. He just needs to get back to that fitness after his uh, injury. It probably will take him a few games to get up and running. But uh, look, he's only 26 years of age and he's still got plenty of time in the game for me as a, as a key forward to develop and get stronger and fitter. So... What I like about Patton and um, what he can do in 2020 is his ruck forward DPP status. So, especially in leagues where you're playing two rucks, I think he could be uh, incredibly valuable. Um, There's a fair chance he won't be on too many people's lists uh, because of the injury as well. So, he should be floating around in most draft pools. Obviously, it's going to be hard because, you know, if, if he's not really pinch hitting in the rut this year, you can't guarantee him being a, a ruckman going forward. But I think hopefully this year... Um, Get you know, get a fair crack this year in the in the Hawthorne side, and he can just continue to develop because we can see that he can score. Uh, I know you don't like key forwards, Hef, but uh, what do you think about big the general? It's not even the key forward factor. Like, yes, that's one thing that makes me not you know want him in my side, but just the injury factor as well. Like, it's not the first time he's done a knee, and he's yes. been out for a season and a half, mm. and he's done the knee again. I can just see him going down so quickly next season. But if any if any team's going to get him up and about, it's going to be Hawthorne with their infamous medical staff. Mm-hmm. So they're probably backing them themselves in to get him up and about just look what they did with Diego Amira last yep. year it's phenomenal no one ever thought he was actually going to get back to that mm-hmm. kind of level so look if anyone can do it, it's Hawthorne the ruck status does make him a bit more valuable because looking at his numbers I went through and had a look at his stats he does add every now and then add 10 points on just through hitouts. Mm-hmm. so that's pretty damn handy for a forward if he can do that now they've got Segler they've got McAvoy McAvoy might be playing at fullback uh, according to some um, in the media and on the Twitter sphere mm-hmm. as well so um, we'll have to wait and see on that one yeah. um, I'm not sold on the idea that it's going to happen. I just don't see why you'd waste a, a spot on the side, having both of them, especially if one's going to play in the back lines. You, mm-hmm. you play one or the other and then you play Patton as mm-hmm. the backup ruck you'd hope for anyway. Yep. But if they're playing both of them, then Patton, I think, is going to not get those hitouts and things like that as well. So hard one to see how he fits at the moment. We need to see some uh, Marsh Series games, I think, before we can get a better idea. We do. Who you got, mate? Um, just scrolling up here I've got Jonathan Segler Speak of the devil We were just talking about him um, But anyway There's lots of talk about him uh, Replacing McAvoy As the number one ruck This season And we saw a glimpse of uh, What this could look like At the end of last season And boy did we like What we saw um, 76 average from 15 games Last year That's his best season On record so far But what was interesting He finished the year With an 103 102 And an 84 So nice. this brings his last three Average uh, to 95 mm-hmm. Looking at his last 10 average uh 
81.1 from his last 10 games of last season. So if you were to score that, if he was to score that for the whole season, he would just be outside of the top 10. But if you're playing a 12-team keeper league like us, that puts him in ruck one contention for a side, really. So he's probably never been that for anyone so far. So looking at his VFL games there, he played three and uh, for an average of 106 points there. Now, what was probably, I guess, I don't know if it's... um, telling but they traded away Mark Pidney in this season so they obviously think they've got enough in the ruck stocks there if Segler is going to be their number one ruck that might be a bit of a clue that they're pretty you know certain that he's going to be there you know, or they could just be thinking that McAvoy will be number one they've definitely got a solid number two we might as well trade around trade yeah. away number three who knows um, but yeah I'm just wondering do you think Kays it's a time for the change of the guards do you think Segler will move into the number one rock spot I just still think that big boy is their number one ruckman yeah. I, and I think that you know his full back his centre half back stuff was just uh, filling gaps last year because you know they had no other tools back there and yeah. I still feel a bit like They've recruited, they've recruited Frost as well to like jump straight yeah, in there exactly well. and I don't see a world where that all of a sudden big boy is not playing ruck or he's not even playing in the back line and he's playing twos just because they want to play John Segler. Yeah. This doesn't make sense to me. Yes, obviously Segler is, was the preferred option over Pitney, which is fine, um, but I don't see him being a, the number one Rutman going into a brand new season when they want to you know, obviously win as many games as they can. That's just my gut feel. Yeah. I think we're going to learn a lot more in the masteries, obviously, um, and I'm still quite keen on Segler like as a, as a prospect and yeah, Big same. Boy is uh, 30 because we've done our, our ruck ranks this year and I was going through all of that and looking at some of the, the ages and stuff like that so you know you've got to think that Big Boy doesn't have too many years left he is yeah he's 30 and isn't uh, Segler pretty old as well though, he's 28, 28. Yeah. so he's only a couple of years behind but you know that's still a couple more years on, on a list four so. more years there it's just um, I don't know it's, it's hard to tell like for me I think I don't know. Like, I can't actually tell. I'm going to have to look at another one. We're going to have to look at the masters to actually see how they're lining up. I, I do suspect that you're right with um, they were only really playing him at centre-back, full-back mm. because they were lacking tools last year. Yeah. Wanted to get Sicily off the leash a bit more and mm. um, that's why he was playing there. I just don't know if it's a permanent fixture in their side. Yeah, we'll find out. Yeah, for sure. Rightio, on to one of my boys, James Cousins. So I drafted him last year and actually got a little bit too excited early on last season with his hot start. Um, last year, he averaged 73 from 75% time on ground in his uh, 12 AFL games. Uh, he had seven games above 70 with a PB of 108 against the Giants last year. Look, consistency was his problem. So he needs to lift his tackle numbers up a bit. And especially if he's competing with someone like Dan Howe, who kind of came into that side last year and played that shutdown role, that run with role. So he needs to uh, improve in that area. He was very impressive when he did go back to the VFL, though. He actually was the fourth highest um, fantasy average at Box Hill, uh, averaging 96 points per game. Uh, in the six games between, he had six games, sorry, between 90 and 99, and two games in the hundreds from his uh, nine VFL outings. So I think that's a pretty good return to form when you're going back to the VFL for someone who might not have quite been there at AFL level last year. So he moves into his fourth season of AFL this year, and I reckon he's ready to go and probably should get the opportunity too. So if you look at the Hawthorne list uh, in depth, so you've got like Ricky Henderson, Sean Burgoyne aging a lot, um, and you've probably got an early opportunity for someone like either Howe or Cousins to come in while Mitchell's probably not going to start the year off. So you throw him in the mix there, Jarman Impey's still injured too. So I reckon he would be one who's pretty high up on their list to start this year. For me, I reckon if he does get a full proper crack at it this year, he's going to be one of those kind of 90 averagey midfielders when he gets into his role and gets a chance. This you know, year? 
not necessarily this oh, year. I think his his say. no his whole um, career capacity is around that because if yeah. he's kind of scoring that in Box Hill where he should be, you know, kind of dominating a bit more, I reckon that's just kind of his limit, which is fine because so there's always his ceiling a, is ninety. I reckon he's a ninety-five kind of ceiling player, yeah. which isn't necessarily horrible. You always need those guys, but whether you want to take the risk of someone like that uh, who's a bit fifty-fifty in their fourth year, that's up to uh, the coach's discretion. But he's someone I think he's got a bit of fantasy talent he knows how to find the ball just he needs to add a few more strings to his bow and i think he could be a, a genuine midfielder of that hawthorne side yeah i think um at the moment he's a bit of a depth player for sure but like you said with henderson uh, burgoyne on the out mm. um and then you know you never know what like you said yeah you never, never know what's gonna happen with mitchell this yeah. season as well there are gonna be opportunities for him that's yeah. for sure whether he takes and whether he becomes a, a decent fantasy scorer on the end of it is uh mm. i guess something we'll have to look at especially with you've got yeah like you said you've got um another you know two or three players that could be fighting for that same spot in terms yeah. of of how and I don't know what you yeah. mentioned Hanrahan even um, what about Morrison mate Harry your, Morrison your boy <laughs> we'll talk about him later mate we're <laughs> okay. going to talk about him too early is he in the list uh, no he oh. wasn't even in the best 26 actually uh, was he in a listener question though, was he he's a listener question so we'll delve, dive down into that a bit later but uh, there's probably a few guys around that mark and Hawthorne are a really interesting one when you look through their list you know like um, Shields uh, Bruce Gunston Henderson Smith Scully like they're not young anymore you know like they've yeah. been, I know they've been around they've seemed like they've been around for a lot longer because they were part of that successful Hawthorne you know uh, team back in the day but you know there's there's could be some chances especially if some injuries hit you know Tom Scully's not always uh, 100% fit um you know, it's going to be interesting to see that the mix of how they go ahead this year. I think their depth is really quite strong, so it'll be interesting to see kind of who makes up their their best twenty two week in week out for sure. All right, I'll move on to my last player for Hawthorne, and that's uh, Jarman Impey. So we mentioned him earlier; he's probably going to be out for most of this season. He did his knee in July, I reckon it was. So whether he even sees a return this year, I know that you know everyone will say he's tracking nice and he's fit and firing, but yeah. whether they risk him at all um, will be another question. I think depends what happens. It might be towards the back end of next year. Oh, yeah. This year, sorry, yeah. Anyway, um, but really at the end of last season, he really started to come into his own. Mm. Um, yeah, through his final um, games of 2019, he was actually uh, starting to score actually reasonably well. So last year, he averaged 71, and that was a last three average of 61. Mm-hmm. But that included, I think, the nine. I think that's what yep. he scored in that last game. So if you take out that nine from when he got injured, he actually, his last three actually turns into an 88 average from his last three. Nice. So that's a good indicator of how well he was scoring at the end. Yep. Um, if you look at his last 10, again, that was a 75 average, but take out that nine, it bumps up to 82. Mm. So from your last 10 games or 10 games in a row, if you can get guarantee 82 out of a player, you'd be, you'd be taking that, especially as a defender. Sure. So... It really looked like he was just starting to blossom. So it's really disappointing that he did that knee uh, last season. But if even if he doesn't play this year, he's definitely someone that you should look to stash if you can, because mm-hmm. he's probably not going to be attract a lot of interest in drafts this year. So if you've got you know a pretty you know shallow squad or um, you know you've got a lot of spots where you can just kind of hold on to players because you're not really contending at the moment, he could be a good stash for 2021. Totally agree. Uh, does he have back forward status again this year? No, I think he's just back this year. Yeah, well, still, as we know, backs are pretty hard to get a good, um, you know, regular scorer. So, he was someone I had on my watch list last year. I was actually quite keen. And when he started to hit some of those really good numbers, I was quite impressed and thought, ready. He's, ready. he's actually kind of 
taken that next step, which is yeah. exciting. But uh, unfortunately, the injury hit him. But uh, I, I agree. If you can kind of get him late in the draft, because lots of people just be like, nah, not interested this year. It's not worth the risk. Yeah. That's fine. But uh, he might be one you can pick up for cheap and uh, hopefully come good for you come finals time. All right, Kaze, who's your last player? Last player is Blake Hardwick. So he is 23 in a couple of days, and I think he's developing very nicely into a solid defender, both real footy and fantasy-wise. So he cemented his spot in the half-back line for the Hawthorne Footy Club, playing 22 games uh, for the last two years, both years. Average 72 last year, which was an eight-point rise in his 2018 average, so building up quite nicely. When you look at it, his uh, numbers were uh, he had 11 games out of the 22, were 70-plus games and only two in the 40s. So not a bad little um, floor there for Hardwick. He uh, had 109-point PB, which included 22 touches, 10 marks, and five tackles. Now, what I love about Blake Hardwick, and I know you're a big Blake Hardwick fan, Hef, is it was just the consistency of what he could do as a defender. Now, we've t- spoken about this basically every pod. We just want a defender who's going to play each week, who um, scores that 70 each week without much fuss. Yes, you can always draft someone who might go bananas and might be the next breakout potential. But for your like D3, D4, D5, someone like Blake Hardwick fits that bill perfectly. He's loved at the footy club. He can just rack up those, you know, 20 touch games, get his 70, walk off. You're a happy coach. So to someone who doesn't do too much wrong, I think there'll be some natural progression there. Whether we'll see him go from a, you know, a 72 to an 80, I'm not sure. I reckon he's a nice little, um, you know, 75 to 80. 80 average player when he's up and running. So, um, you know, he's 23. He's, he's, he's basically ready to go, I reckon, as a, as a good commodity. Yeah, I liken him to uh, Braden Maynard, really. Like, the same style where he's pretty good at actually, like playing actual defensively. So, mm-hmm. he won't go huge because he actually has to play defense. But, uh, yeah, when he does actually play, he will get those 70s um, each week and stuff like that. So, like, just exactly like you said, he's not going to go nuts, but he will get you 70 each week and you can rely on that. And that's what we name. Exactly. Next. Who's up? Let's move on to Melbourne. Yeah. All right, moving on to the Melbourne Demons. Disappointing year last year for them. We thought they'd be really up and about and a few disappointing fantasy scorers as well that we're hoping can bounce back this yeah. year. But anyway, Kays, uh, why don't you read through their best 22 for us? Right out from the back line, Nifty, Neville Jetta, Jake Lever and Oscar McDonald. Halfback, Christian Salem, Stephen May and Jaden Hunt. Uh, wings of Ed Langdon, Jack Viney and Adam Tomlinson. Half-forward flank, Christian Petrarca, Tom McDonald, James Harms. Forward line, Sam Wiedemann, Bailey Fritch, Alex Neil Bullen. Uh, Max Gorn in the ruck with Clayton Oliver and Angus Brayshaw. And Jake Melcham, Nathan Jones, Michael Hibbard and Cozzy Pickett on the pine. Now, I see you've got Cozzy Pickett straight mm. in there. And I guess yep. we should probably mention about rookies as well. We're not actually talking about them on these podcasts because no. we did like a whole one hour episode or close to 45 minute episode mm-hmm. where we only talked about rookies uh, for members only. So if you want to hear us talk about rookies, uh, make sure you sign up as a member and check those out. But uh, yeah, just looking at your team here. So um, you, oh, Melbourne obviously um, recruited Luke Jackson this season. Yep. So, and it was talk of him actually playing forward for someone like say Wiedemann mm-hmm. or something like that if he really stunk it up. Do you think there's any chance of him playing a game or even someone like Bruce? Because yep. um, like a lot of um, a lot of our Twitter or Twitter followers were saying as well, they can see a world where those two play together as well. So that world wasn't 2019. Yeah, I know, but mm. yeah. So. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think that uh, Wiedemann 
development wise, I think they need to give him a go. Like I, I don't think he, you know they've invested a fair bit of time and money into him. Yeah, I think true. they need to give him. I just the don't know if he's that much chop. I don't know. Well, it's you can't. I just don't think you can judge a young forward after a couple of years. You know, I think that's right, especially when they were so shit last year. Yeah, you know, like it's like you can't get angry at at a, at a kid. You know, when when your team literally can't get it across the halfway line. Oh, so. Well. Yeah. I know you would because you're a Port supporter and you have no... You I was know, actually going to bring up a Port reference, but yeah, I don't think I'll go there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see because, you know, Nathan Jones, Michael Hibbard, they're getting towards the end of their careers. Do they play someone like, um, you know, Trent Rivers is another one who's been highly touted as a rookie this year or Charlie Spargo. There's a few guys that they've got around the mark. I'm a bit worried about their depth, especially when they're bringing in someone like Mitch Brown as well. So, yeah, I don't know. At their best, they're handy, but... Uh, I don't know. I, I'm not buying into the, the premiership uh, window kind of shit, but uh, I think they'll be a lot better than we were last year. All right. So, first up, you're going to be talking about another key defender because you love them. I love key defenders. Yeah, I know you do. Um, Stevie May. Good. So, uh, the Batman had a horror year last year after arriving at uh, Melbourne. So, he was basically unfit and injured and he could only manage eight games in their train wreck of a year. So, I feel that 2020, there's going to be a heap of undervalued demon players and May is at the top of the list for one of them. So they had a shocker of a year, everyone underperformed and I think that you might be able to get a few uh, diamonds in the rough, uh, as we like to say. So look, a 28-year-old centre-half back isn't a super exciting prospect and I know you'll be the leader of that opposition, but uh, if the Ds can return to some form, he's actually going to be very handy for a D4, D5 for your side. So he averaged 58 last season, and that's well down on his 2018 and 2017 numbers where May averaged 75 and 77. So across those two seasons, uh, May racked up eighty, uh, sorry, plenty of 80-plus games and had three scores in the 110s in those two seasons as well. So at his best, May was averaging seven marks a game and racking up 17 touches. And I think if Melbourne get back to a point where they're just not horrible, I think that he can actually get to those numbers um, and kind of return to that mid-70s average. And I think with a nice settled back line, everyone fit and firing, Stevie May will be a very nice acquisition to your side. You'll be able to get him super cheap because his what, average was 58 last year and people are just going to write him off. But I think he's going to be that perfect candidate for a consistent defender in your side. He's actually those players like, because my, my team at the moment, my keepers are super young and not even like guaranteed best 22. So mm-hmm. I reckon late in the draft, I'm just going to be loading my team with blokes like this that are likely to play each week just so mm-hmm. I can actually field a team. So mm-hmm. these guys actually do become relevant for me. But uh, I'm going to just hate myself having him on my side though at the but same look- time. At his best, he's a very, very handy fantasy footballer. He's not going to set the world on fire. He's, he's not going to win you a game. Yeah. But yes, he's going to be a lot better than, I don't know, Trent Bianco or bloody, I don't know who else you're going to draft this year. Who Liam, he's going to be better than Liam Stocker. Exactly. <laughs> is that what I mean? And, and a guy that well, I'm big... I'm keeping, is, by the way. <laughs> your team is absolute gutter trash. But, they're, just, uh, they're just kids, man. They're kids. But May's going to take, take marks. They're gonna, they should have a lot better back line. You know, Jake Lever around there, a few other tools back there. I think they'll be okay. And uh, Stephen May should get back to being a, an okay fantasy scorer. All right, uh, we'll move on to my player, well, first player, and that's uh, Adam Tomlinson. So, moved to uh, Melbourne this year from GWS, and uh, I guess he averaged 74.9, so 75 really, from 25 games, playing finals, obviously, so he missed the one game for the season. Um, started really well last year, averaged 84 from his first five, but then only averaged 64 from his last five. So, I actually went through and had a look at his last few games, uh, look at the highlights from those, and I discovered that he was thrown around quite a lot late last mm. season. Uh, so, we'd probably agree that his best position's on 
on a wing and that's why he's been recruited to play at Melbourne. But uh, look, he seemed to be all over the shop late in the game. So he seemed to be floating pretty deep in defence. I'm not sure if it was just the wings pushing back. He was a was genuine a, utility. Yeah, he was getting yep. a lot of touches Everywhere. across in the back line. Yep. But then he was also second ruck in a lot of the games and the finals and stuff like that. So he'd take throw-ins and things like that because he is kind of tall as well. And I don't know, just not playing, which is only playing the one ruck, I think at GWS, he would actually jump in and do the second ruck role, kind of like uh, Sean Grigg a couple of years ago. And we all saw what happened his fantasy numbers after that happened. Big so, numbers. Yeah, yeah. So, well, no, shit numbers after that happened. But uh, yeah. yeah, he was, he went from big numbers to shit numbers. Um, so that affected him too. It's always going to hurt, I think always going to dent you if you have to ruck and just get smashed in the ruck. It really takes you out of the game around the contest. Yep. So that was happening a lot to Tomlinson last year, I think as well. So this all, all this affected his scoring. So I have a bit more faith he's going to bounce back at Melbourne. So I think they were looking for genuine outside players this trade period too and getting Tomlinson and Langdon in really emphasises that and that pushes Brayshaw back in the, in the middle as well, which is going to be really nice. Um, but yeah, if he plays pure wing without getting thrown around, I reckon he's going to be pretty good this year. Agree. I was a big Tomlinson man last couple of seasons, just as that um, you know um, consistent kind of guy who was playing most weeks, scoring yep. all right. Um, and what he what he can do in games is, is good. He can actually he can really pick it up when he gets the opportunity. So you'd have to think that uh, Melbourne will be smart enough to actually play a guy they recruited to play a particular role that they recruited him for, not yeah, just, yeah. you know, throw him around as a no. as a utility like GWS had the luxury of doing. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm expecting some good numbers from Tomlinson this year. It'll be interesting to see where he goes. Like, will people hold him? Yeah, that's the interesting thing. I think because he changes clubs, you do. Like, I think yeah. that always adds that little bit more value True. to him. So, True. Yeah, I don't think he'll be available in our league somehow. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, and if he did go into a draft where you take him, I don't think you'd take him in a first round of a keeper league. I reckon late, late first. Depends what you're after. If he'd be one of the better midfield prospects in our draft, yeah, I think. Potentially. Yeah. yeah, not bad call. If you need a midfielder. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Rightio, my next play is Braden Proust. Now, it was almost Proust season on the weekend when the room will hit <laughs> overdrive with Maxi Gorn's knee injury. So, um, it sounds like Max is going to be okay, but just in case anything happens, it sounds like big bad Braden is ready to go. Now, as we touched on earlier, the two-ruck experiment didn't really work at the D's last year, so I'm not really sure that they're going to try the Gorn-Proust duo again, especially if they are, you know, have everyone up and running and fit. Sorry, just jumping in, it still baffles me that they even recruited him then. Yeah. No, I agree with you, but it's still it's just I so I just dumb. don't know why he left when, he was so going, when Todd, Gold, Todd Goldstein was older. And was anyway, going, yeah. keep going. Anyway. <laughs> Anyway, um, so, but why would we get excited about a backup Ruckman, you ask? Well, because Bruce is basically the VFL GOAT. Now, no one in the whole competition averaged more than Braden Bruce in 2019. The big Ruckman averaged 132.3 points per game. He's like the Brody Grundy of VFL. He, he's, <laughs> he, yeah, he's the Ruck pig of the VFL. Yeah. Now, the numbers are actually staggering. So, he averaged 53 hitouts per game to go on top of his 14 kicks, three handballs, six marks, and three tackles a game. So, Proust only had one score under a ton, and he had scores of 141, 155, 187, and 189. What the actual fuck? So... He's showed that he can score as a number one ruckman, which he did while Goldie was injured at the Roos. What doesn't make sense is he went to Brisbane. Uh, Melbourne, sorry. Now... Bruce is only 24. The issue is that Gorn's only 28. So he might actually need to buy some kind of Max Gorn voodoo doll to keep stabbing and hopefully he gets a game in the ones. 
but he's got to be a must-have handcuff. Now, what's interesting about Braden Proust is he's a ruck forward this year, yep. but unfortunately, I don't think that uh, experiment's going to fly again at Melbourne. So, I think you're going to have to wait for Gorn to go down for him to become relevant. But if he does, shit, he's going to go big. Even if it does fly, it won't help his scoring in any way. So, you know, he's just doing exactly the same as what he did in his games this year. It's the most frustrating thing in AFL. We saw it again with uh, Darcy Cameron mm. this year as well. Yeah. There's a genuine good ruckman playing in the twos that should go to a club that's crying out for a number one ruckman yeah. and they go to someone that already has one of the best ruckmen in the comp. It doesn't like, make any sense. He would be in starting in so many keeper leagues if he played for a shit team. Yeah. You know, if he played for, say, Carlton, um, who you know, Cruz yeah. was injured yeah. or... I know, even if he went to someone Brisbane. like Brisbane, yeah, where yeah. Um, Stefan Martin's going to be out on the outer. Yeah. There's probably, you know, teams out there with shitter rucks. Even GWS. Like, imagine if he went there. Yeah. Like, it would have been amazing. Nonsensical. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense at all. But anyway, we'll uh, keep moving on before we start crying over that one. <laughs> um, let's talk about Bailey Fritz. So, after being played as a forward in his first year, um, he was really looking fine on his feet. And then what happens? Simon Goodwin moves him to defence. So, that killed his season last year where he only averaged 74. So, so he played um, three quarters of the season uh, in defence, but then uh, in the West Coast game in round 17, he uh, moved up forward and uh, averaged, um, yeah, sorry, and then he'd only averaged 71 points up to this point, but from when he went forward, he averaged 83 onwards. So um, hopefully Simon Goodwin has learnt his lesson because, uh, you know, he's coming to his third year in the system. He, I know he's a mature age. He was recruited as a 21-year-old, but I don't know. I reckon if he plays up forward for the entire season, he goes at 80-plus this season. What do you reckon? He's a gun. I yeah. love watching him play. Uh, he's got speed, just has a real crack, takes a good grab. I think he's a, a very, very exciting prospect uh, this season, Bailey Fritch. And uh, I think he's got the dual position as well. I think he's a forward he does, back. Yes, yeah. right. So he's a really, really good swingman option for your fantasy side. So someone you can kind of take as a backman. And then if you all of a sudden find that you're, you're stashed back there and you've got plenty and you need some room up, for, uh, need someone to fill a spot up forward, Fritch is the man. Um, I'm pretty keen on his his prospects going forward. That's why I kind of have him at full forward for the Melbourne side. I reckon he might be that really elusive, you know, small full forward type who can uh, kick a bag, but also get up the ground and, and get some posies too. So I'm quite excited about uh, the future of Bailey Fridge. Yeah, look, like I said, I reckon he should go 80 plus um, if he plays the way he did it in the last season. Yeah. Right, anyway, my last player for Melbourne is Marty Hoare. So he was one of the guys who's trending uh, the right way on our breakout tracker tool that we've got on the keeperlegpod.com.au hashtag shameless plug um, so he played 14 games uh, averaging 62 at the AFL level last year in his first year at it averaged 80 points from rounds um, 2 to 4 sorry from rounds 4 to 10 um, and he had a, only a 60 point low and a 99 point high so a pretty nice ceiling uh, and a pretty nice floor for a for a kind of a small and first year defender he then hit some injury issues um, so on his best form is going to be very much undervalued so really when he's up and going his average is 80 but he his uh, average what it will say at the end of the year he's only averaging 62 so another one kind of like Stephen May who was a lot better than they than their um, numbers probably suggest now if you look at his four VFL games he played last year he averaged 93 points uh, had 20 kicks and four handballs, which is a fantastic kick-to-handball ratio, as well as racking up six marks a game and two tackles. Um, Hoare had games of 106 and 133 in the VFL. So, while he'll be 24 in a few months, which uh, happens when you're a mature-age recruit, I reckon that's actually perfect for him because Melbourne will need someone around that age to lead their back line for a while. And while it's uh, young in AFL terms and experience um, in 
AFL experience. He's got plenty of VFL experience and he's a very established VFL player. So I think he's just going to be well down the pack in terms of people looking at the uh, the last season averages. And I think on his best form, he's around that high 70s, low 80s backman who's going to be a fantastic little addition to your side. I'm glad you mentioned that he's 24 because you're saying, oh, first year player, first year player yes, this. Yes, and then yes, I was like, no, geez, no. he's putting a bit of sugar on this one, a bit no, of mayo no, on that sandwich. No, no, uh, no. <laughs> no. I always tell the truth. <laughs> good, yes, good. I don't know if that came out clear. Yeah. But it was his first year in the AFL, yeah, but yeah. he's a, he was an established fearful player before and getting drafted. Mature age players always look pretty nice on the breakout tracker because they're starting ahead of the, the kids. But anyway. Um, Which is perfect for people who need a defender. Yeah, exactly. Because can't, some people can't take time waiting for young blokes to develop. Yeah. Marty, Marty Hall's ready to go. Yeah. And there's some people that can't be bothered researching, so they should use the breakout tracker to find them all these stars in the first place. Or so. they just listen to everyone I say <laughs> who's going to break out. Anyway, um, no, nah, look, I think, well, going on last year, yeah, you mentioned he's a mature age player, but his VFL numbers were good uh, last season as well before yep. he came into the AFL. Um, so, yeah, I reckon giving another year in the system, a bit more opportunity. A few more things go his way, especially with injuries. I reckon he'll be one to definitely look at. For sure. All right. Do I have one more to go? You do. I do. I've got uh, Corey Wagner or Wagner, Wagner. depending uh, from where in the world you are from. And but anyway. if you have a hankering for classical music as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. Um, anyway, so we get a lot of questions about uh, Wagner, um, especially with his VFO numbers because they are through the roof, really. He averaged 110 from nine games last year with uh, Casey, and this uh, forced his way into the uh, into the Melbourne side. So he played as a forward in the AFL side, though. So when he was playing VFL, he was playing in the midfield. So basically, he does the does the things in the AFL when playing forward that you just don't get um, points for, you know, like score involvements, pre-tracks, all that sort of stuff, assists, um, all that sort of stuff. And it's not going to be as conducive to scoring as what he's doing in the VFL. So unless you get some midfield time at Melbourne, which I really don't see happening, especially when they brought two midfielders in this year. Yep. Um, I'm just saying don't be fooled by those VFL numbers because a lot of them will look at the numbers on our website, yep. keeperleaguepod.com.au, and, <laughs> and we'll see that he's one of the better VFL scorers. But, you know, you've got to you've got to judge this stuff appropriately because I think he's not going to get the same role at AFL level. Agreed. I was even looking at someone like Kyle Dunkley today who had oh, yeah. similar kind of numbers and similar age. And, the, and the surname. Dunkley. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so you're just like, cha-ching, there's points yeah. there. But uh, look, look, I'm not going to say I'm an expert on Corey Wagner at all. I haven't really looked too deep into there. But uh, it, I think that Melbourne, in a crazy world, there might be a place where, you know, like they have another stinking year like they did last year and they just actually go, are we going to play a few different kids? Yeah. And that's where someone like Wagner will get the chance. That's when you're yeah, banking on him. Jump on it. So it. probably one to monitor for your waiver-wise if you're playing that, just to see how he keeps tracking in the VFL and um, kind of see how well uh, Melbourne are going if they do want to try a few things, you know, halfway through this year. All right, let's move on to North Melbourne. All right, we're going to move on to North Melbourne. Actually, before we do that, we're going to have a little bit of a, a beer plug here. Tonight, we're drinking the uh, Dayton uh, Brewing uh, Stratosphere Single Hop Hazy IPA. It's a hoppy little number, as, a, as the name suggests. Uh, it's very delicious. Yeah, getting a bit of a you know bit of fruit, bit of citrus in that one. So, yeah, it's nice. Um, if you're if you're in the Melbourne, I think they're from. So yes. maybe try those guys out. And if Power they want, them down. And if they want to sponsor us, uh, we're more than <laughs> welcome to jumping on. So yeah. yeah, just we only support brands we like here. So you know. Correct. Uh, just anyway. quickly going back, <laughs> the banjo in the North Melbourne theme song is elite. Okay. Oh, it's good. I, th- I thought you were going to tell me some crazy fact, like it's played by um, some famous musician. It might be, but like, <laughs> listen to it. It's a, it's a good song. It's I, played by Bernard Fanning. Oh, no shit. <laughs> who was born in you know, 1876 uh, when North Melbourne first started. Anyway. Uh, but yeah, 
awesome banjo solo. Regardless, let's move on. Uh, North Melbourne's best 22 in the back pocket, Jamie McMillan, Robbie Tarrant and Luke McDonald, Jasper Pittard, Majak Dorr and Sean Atley, midfield uh, Trent Dumont, Ben Cunnington and Jared Polek, with Todd Goldstein, Sean Higgins and Jai Simpkin in the ruck. Followed by the forward line of Jack Zebel, Nick Larkey, Taron Thomas, Cameron Zerha, Ben Brown, and Kane Turner up forward, with Mason Wood, Aiden Bonar, Ben Jacobs, and Jed Anderson on the bench. No room for Bailey Scott in that best twenty-two, mate. Uh, he's around. He's the the next line down. Oh, really? Oh, and also uh, Jeff Demont in there. Uh, do I? No, sorry, not Demont. Uh, what am I thinking? Paula Hearn. Paula Hearn. No, not definitely Demont. not. Oh, what? He was, your, he, he was your first emergency, wasn't he? Uh, they were all in my emergency lines, those yeah, two yeah. boys. So, look, I, to be honest, man, like, North Melbourne is a genuine chook <laughs> Like, who the hell plays in their side? Like, I reckon if you threw enough darts, you put names on a dartboard and you just threw darts, and yeah, you'd probably like, get a similar line okay, up, so the, so the emergencies were Paul O'Hearn, Bailey Scott, Luke Davies, Uniac, and Marley Williams. But oh, then you've sweet. got, like, but, like, seriously, then you've got, like, Dom Tyson, Aaron Hall. Like, there's a whole swagger of just, like, real mediocre players. Jeez, who, those pickups last year look uh, looked pretty shit now, don't they? They looked great on paper last year. Yeah, yeah. I was licking my lips. But, man, I just don't know about North Melbourne. Like, as a fantasy side, you just can't pick them. I think they didn't, they didn't even have anyone score over 100 last year, average-wise, I think. that might, I might be wrong there. But, like, they're just a fantasy graveyard. Yeah, no, nah, look, I don't really like look at them either. Um, who knows? With the, when we saw Reece Shaw last, we might see a few players break out as some of those younger yeah, midfield yeah. types come through. Maybe yeah. some – I'm really – I don't know why, because his numbers don't reflect it and his role doesn't reflect it, but I really like the look of Cam Zerha, oh, just the yeah. way he attacks the ball. Like, oh, I reckon yeah. he's wasted up forward. He should be one of those inside mids. Again, not um, not a player that's going to score huge, but mm. he should probably be playing in there and scoring 90, that sort of thing. Really, like, he's great to watch. I really love Ben Cunnington. I love watching Ben Cunnington play yeah, footy, but he's not... cool, you know. Yeah, but he's just hard as the yeah, day yeah. is long. Like, yeah, I, you know, like, they've got a couple of players I don't mind watching, but yeah. in terms of who's in their best 22 and who's fantasy relevant, I genuinely have no idea. Oh, well, let's move on to looking at some players and this is actually a hard one to really go mm. at anyway but uh, we'll go on to my first player uh, Jed Anderson uh, Jed Goatison as he's referred to by uh, Doss from the Draft Doctors uh, friend of the show been on the pod or been on a Patreon not a Patreon pod a members only pod sorry he has a very low standard <laughs> anyway uh, let's talk about Jed uh, he averaged 79 last season uh, up from 76 the year before he doesn't really pump out huge scores he only had two scores above 100 last season but he's a pretty consistent type player He's pretty injury prone too though Now that we really mention it um, Doesn't play a lot of time on ground as well But we might see with actually a clean bill of health He might play You might boost those numbers So if that does happen I reckon that will help his scoring But there's no guarantee that that happens as well But I guess basically this year We're hoping for more time on ground um, I reckon these types of players in North Melbourne Are really going to be interesting When someone like Higgins retires um, I thought Ben Cunnington was at least 32 But he's like no. 27 yeah. <laughs> And same with um, Zebel. He looks a lot older He feels like he's a lot older than he is too. He's 28. So I thought those guys were going to move, be moved on soon. But I can see someone like Zebel just kind of playing more permanently forward as well as more injury niggles and stuff come on board. So when that sort of stuff ha- starts happening, I think we'll see more of these Jed Anderson types coming through and hopefully they move into, I guess, of a more permanent role in there. I think uh, Zebel and Cunnington look old because they've literally been carrying North Melbourne for Maybe, the last you know, five yeah. years. So, What do you reckon Jed Anderson averages this year, Case? I've actually, it was impressive last year when he was playing for North Melbourne. Like, he was a bit of a 50 50 player at Hawthorne when he was there and then moved across to North. And he kind of impressed me in patches and he, and he did put together some decent games. Um, he's obviously, is he a forward status this year? I don't think so. Yeah, so mid only. So there's a bit of risk there with, uh, with Jed. But um, 
when he plays well, he's he's good. But I suppose that's like most players when they have a good game, they they score well. But um, average. Can, what do you think yeah. of average? Uh, mid seventies. Okay, that's just uh, I just kind of think he could push up to an eighty five average or something like yeah. that. But I think know, with like the seventy nine last year yeah, he improves, so he should center, get eighty. But if he's a center, what's there's too much risk. No, nah, no, nah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah. I reckon he'll go about eighty this season. Yeah, uh, it wouldn't surprise me. But when are you going to take someone like him? You're not going to keep him. Yeah, and then you're in that weird middle ground where you're like, you like, you know, you might have the choice between him who might be okay and someone who could be. A he's potential the type star. that if you're in the window, you pick him to fill your last midfield spot. Or your first emergency type thing. Yeah, that's, so, that's a fair. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't mind that call. Yeah. Uh, my first player, my third ruck forward for the night, Tom Campbell. So, we've literally been talking about back at Ruckman all night, so we must- It's good. We don't talk about a lot of Ruckman. On yes, pod, we don't. So, we, yeah. it's good tonight that we've actually got well, some I'm in giving there. back to the big guys. Good. Uh, so, we've got to mention Tommy Campbell here. So, he actually has equally- as impressive numbers as the aforementioned Braden Pruce in the um, VFL, but he's probably closer to a full-time gig. Now, Campbell was the third highest averaging player in the VFL last year. Were all three Ruckman up the top? Uh, I can't remember who was second. It yeah. might have been, but uh, you have to go through keeperleaguepod.com.au. I'll look it up right now while you're talking. I'll tell um, you. So, Campbell uh, scored 124 points per game. Now, his hit-out numbers weren't as high as Pruce's. He actually only averaged 33 uh, hit-outs per game, but his possession count was much higher. So, as a big guy, Campbell's numbers are quite impressive. He averaged 12 kicks, 10 handballs, 5 marks and 4 tackles from 17 games and included scores of 157 and 170. Now, before he interestingly moved to the Roos, which uh, is strange because if he was probably at Western Bulldogs, he would have been playing over English at times last year. So, yeah. another weird move. But uh, in 2016 and 2017, he actually scored pretty well AFL level for the Dogs. Now, Tom Campbell's 28. Todd Goldstein's 31, and obviously a lot closer to the end than someone like um, Max Gorn is. The best thing for Tom Campbell is he actually has no real competition from below. There's like really no third ruckman on the um, ruse list. I think it's it's Tristan Zeri or something, but he's not going to play over uh, Tom Campbell for a while. So Todd Goldstein was at that crossroad of his career probably a year or two ago before he lifted up his standards last year. So Campbell might actually be close to a um, a full-time gigs of ruckman at the ruse. What I like, he's also got that ruck forward DPP, which could come in handy if he does get a go on, just someone for backup there. But uh, interesting, he's one who's going to score if he gets the opportunity. He's just always been in a club where he's never been the number one ruckman. So yeah. uh, very, very interesting, but uh, one to definitely make sure you have in your side, especially if you have Goldstein, because uh, he's one injury away from uh, career over, I reckon. Just going back uh, to who the second highest VFL scorer yes. was, yes. was Dale Thomas from his one game, second highest average. I know yes. that counts, but he, had, he scored 130 one is only game so, so who was the next kind of regular VFL player uh, regular VFL player you mean yeah. like full time VFL player no, yeah or like or just kind of guy who played over lots of games, games yeah. uh, let's keep going down the list uh, Corey Wagner averaged 110 yeah. so he, was, he okay. played 9 games so the two top averaging ruckmen in the VFL uh, two top averaging scorers in the VFL were ruckmen yeah basically yeah. but then you've got Segler also who's in the top 10 as well yeah. so he must be a bit of a few points going around the VFL yeah. anyway if you want to look at the VFL scores uh, grab a membership and check him out they're all up there on our website um, anyway so what were we talking about Tom Campbell that's right there's a few players out out there um, in this league that are really one injury away from the main Ruckman to be a top Ruckman. Now, yep. obviously at Collingwood, you've got uh, Dust Cameron with Brody Grundy. I don't see Brody Grundy getting injured ever, so it's no. fine. But say if you look at Carlton, you've got uh, Matthew Cruiser. Yep. Pitney's like ready oh, to go. Yep. And so Tom Campbell's another one of these guys as well that you take 
even if not as a handcuff, just on the chance that they actually play. Because like we said, there's one injury away from them getting a decent run at it yep. and they'll score well. So yep. I reckon those two you can justify taking not as a handcuff and knowing they're not going to play. Even just having them as that forward option just in case you need True to that. take someone forward. Yeah. So uh, those guys are, could be very valuable this year. Yeah. All right. Uh, my next player is the bloke we are talking about earlier and that's Ooh, yeah. Cam Zerha. Uh, he averaged 64 last season. So he only averaged 42 the season before that. So he's, he's up uh, Is this his third year? Eight. I think it is actually, yeah. Yes, we know what that means, Hef. Yeah, it's breakout time. Yeah. Um, but look, he seems to have cemented his spot on the side. Yeah, he plays more of a forward role, but does have little stints in the middle. But the way I see it, like I said before, he's he's built like a midfielder. He's thick mm. and he just charges at the pill. Like, I reckon he really needs to get a run in there and just play some inside footy. Um, look, being optimistic, he replaces Zeebel in the guts as he moves on with age and um, and then Zeebel moves forward a bit more. Hopefully we see that. Um, I'm looking at a, you know, 70s to mid-70s score this year. Hopefully, hopefully. And uh, yeah, just like becoming a serviceable forward for the season going uh, going ahead. Mm. Hopefully in future he moves into the midfield though, because I'd like to see that. He's one of those guys that as a forward uh, in fantasy, he's just worth the risk on taking because he's going to be a handy enough forward scorer. Yeah. Um, it's then, you know, if he actually gets that midfield time, like then you, you really win because he's going to go that next level. So um, I'm pretty excited about uh, what he can do this year as, as a forward prospect in um in fantasy but then hopefully he does get a bit more time in that midfield and he almost does look like a little Jack Zebel. Yep. You know, like that's his yeah, exactly. He's a big bustling kind of dude. I just compare him to Jack Zebel. I just, I just see Jack Zebel. Mini play. Jack. Yeah, yeah, so hopefully he scores the same over his career. Because at his best, Jack Zebel is a very, very good fantasy player. So yeah, sure. It's uh, a good credit to him if he can do that. All right, your next player is Aiden Bona. Did I pronounce that correctly? Uh, Bona, Bona. I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, depends. Depends where you're from. Uh, look, he is in his third year. Could it be breakout or new club? I'm no. not sure. So... He couldn't crack the GWS side, which is fine with me. Like, they've got plenty of midfielders, no qualms there. So, his career AFL average from his six games is 50.5. He had a PB of 85 in 2018. Now, looking at his NEFL numbers last year, these are huge warning signs. So, Bonar played 16 games for a 79 average in the NEFL. Yuck. Yuck. That's disgusting. Now, when we go into some more depth... He averaged nine kicks and 10 handballs. What the fuck? 2.5 marks and six tackles. Now, thank God he can tackle, but that kick to handball ratio, especially in the NEFL, is disgusting. So he racked up four tons in the NEFL, which is, you know, he needs to be better than that as a potential star. But what is worse is he had six games in the 50s. That is completely yuckier. Now, is he just going to go to the recycled player graveyard that is North Melbourne, Hello, Dom Tyson and Aaron Hall there? Like, what yes. is going on? Like, I don't know his draft year stats. So I don't have the prospectus, prospectus from that year. But for someone who's getting a bit of, you know, preseason hype, and I know that there's that natural, you know, oh, he's going to a new club, he's going to get the opportunity. Yeah, sure, I'm, I like to bind to that most years. But when you're looking at his history and what he's done in the NIFA, which is the weakest league in the whole of Australia, I just simply can't get enthused about a guy who averaged 79 there. Look, even if he comes into the AFL side, plays every week and scores 79 there, I just don't even know if that's a pass mark for him this year. You're shitting on this guy a lot and then you've got him in in your best 22 for North Melbourne. That was before I did some research <laughs> I on him. I was going to say, for, <laughs> Look, me, he no, no, no. for but, me, he's not in their best 22. But I actually think they're going to play him. 
Like they, they haven't recruited him to not play him. I think like there's going to be that. No, oh, I North, think, North, North no, Melbourne I think are sweet. Like, no, but North Melbourne just can't get anyone. And then they're like, we've got Aiden Bonar who's I, a knee I don't think they've recruited him to play him. I think they've recruited him just because going on, you know, before his knee injury as a junior, he was touted as like a number one draft pick. Yeah. He never showed it at GWS. So like North Melbourne have gone, North Melbourne have gone, well, we can develop him. We can make yeah. him into something. So give him, a, give him a year or so in our system, see what we yeah. can turn him into. Yeah. If not, we're delisting him pretty soon after. I just feel bad. That's the way I'm like, saying Dom Tyson's a decent player. Aaron Hall was a good player. Like Aiden Bonin's probably a good player, but he's just gone to the wrong club to get fantasy scores as if well. You, if you can't get a game at North Melbourne and you can't score, you're not going to do it anywhere. So I reckon he's lucky to even be on yeah. a list. This is a lifeline, this if you ask a, me. This is a genuine warning sign for anyone who's buying into this preseason hype. No, Bonin, think, just don't. I'm hoping our listeners are smarter than that. It's, it's dangerous. Just do your research and, and prepare yourself for what could happen this All year. Right. Well, I'm going to talk about the guy that will take uh, Bonin's spot on Kays' best 22, mm. and that's Paul Ahern. More so, bias. <laughs> this guy is one of my boys. <laughs> Uh, this guy's on the outer under Brad Scott, but when Reshaw came in, uh, he looked to be given way more opportunity. Averaged 61 last season, um, and he averaged 68 in 2018, so he was down a few points there. But with all the injuries um, he sustained, like it felt like it was only really his second year in the system because it was only his second year of playing AFL. So this will be his third year coming into it, so breakout time case. Um, but looking back at last season, early on he was playing most in the midfield. He played midfield a lot in 2018. Um, but then he came into the side in round 19 under Reshaw and played across halfback. And really he played his best game of the year scoring-wise, 84. And then he backed it up again the following week, had another 84 as well. So he looked to be really turning it on uh, as a defender. He only had 50 on the week after that and then didn't play the last two games of the season. But I still see a lot of potential. So he was a former first round draft pick, uh, number seven, lots of injuries um, between now and then. And uh, yeah, got traded from GWS to North Melbourne, played his first game, well, debuted last year and had some reasonable numbers, really looked like an actual breakout candidate for this year. Didn't come to fruition, but uh, look, if you can lock down a spot, I reckon, especially if it's cross halfback two and his name is a defender this year, um, I reckon he can be a handy contributor. Look, he's 23. This needs to be the year for him. Like I, I know it's only his third year into the into it because yep. of, of what happened between um, his time at GWS and the injuries and that kind of thing. So yep. I understand that. But if he's not putting together a good good season at uh, North Melbourne this year, I'm very worried about him. Yes, there's some signs that he can do it, but uh, I don't know if 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 I was actually. Like, if he was in my team, I wouldn't be keeping him this year. I don't think you could justify it. You can because he I'm takes trash. <laughs> but, um, and you're that far invested in him that you have to. So, I've invested uh, in a lot of kids at the moment. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I just th- honestly think there's better options out there if you if there's no bias in it. Like, it, yeah. I don't think that he's as high up where, where you think he might be but uh, I don't think he's I don't think he's high I just think he's worth a shot and if you've got if you're down the bottom of the ladder like you are with me and you've got not a lot else he's worth having a crack at it's a make and break year yeah, yeah. though like if he's not doing something this year he has to be cut yeah, if like, you've got nothing the, to lose take yeah. a punt on him I think and when in the, when you've got back status that's, that's fine you can do that too alright uh, my last player Jai Simkin so he is a guy I'm actually a huge fan of in real footy but just not quite sure on his fantasy prospects just yet so he's about to head to his fourth year but to me Simpkin is a bit of a handballer and looks like an impact player which are two bad phrases for fantasy footy so his averages last year he averaged 67 which was a PB and his average uh, disposal wise was nine kicks and nine handballs now that ratio is not great and neither is the actual 18 stats either so while he did notch up three tons last year from his uh, 30 33 and 36 touch games Two of those, he actually had more handballs than kicks. So he's a handballer. 
We don't like handballers. I do like Jai Simpkin and what he can do, but I just don't like how he goes about getting those touches. Now, 13 of the 21 games, he failed to hit 70 points. Now, as a midfielder, this is un- unacceptable. And if you want a damning stat of how he loves to handball, he played one VFL game last year, 102 points, which is nice, but he had nine kicks and 24 handballs mm. in the VFL. When he would have gone back there and been a bit of a big fish in a small pond, he still wanted to dish it out. And I don't like that, Jai. You need to get more greedy and more piggy if you want to be in most people's sides. So, while he tackles, while he can get forward, while he actually finds the pill, he needs to put it on his boot and not on his opposite hand. So, he's holding forward status this year. So, I think it means you can take the punt on him. Almost Ahern-like where you can just go, right, I'm giving him one year to see what he can do. If he delivers, yippee. If not, he's easy to go back on the list. I think for him, he's got the ability to be a big scorer, but he just needs to show it. So, uh, I hope that 2020 can be the year for him. I like him as a real footballer. I'm just worried about him as a fantasy footballer. Can you say Paul Ahern for me again? Ahern. Oh, you got it right this time. You've I did saying, say Ahern. No, you're saying Ahern. Ahern, Ahern. <laughs> it sounds like saying A-hole. A-hole. <laughs> anyway, uh, going back to Simkin. Um, yeah, look, his numbers in the AFL looked good early on uh, from memory. But then, yeah, we really saw his kind of true game come out. And like you mm-hmm. said, he's pretty handball happy. He's not going to be the greatest scorer going around, I don't think. What was good about last year, though, he actually got plenty of opportunity to show what he can do. So hopefully he can actually build on it and kind of learn how to kick the you know, footy a little bit more. Yeah. And uh, yeah, get some good fantasy numbers. Because, you know, it's the opportunity he's getting that other guys would crave. And I think other guys would really flourish in, in yeah. terms of AFL fantasy. Oh. So hopefully he does something for us. He's a gun. Just put it on the boot, Jai. Yeah. Put it on much. the boot. All right. Cool. That wraps up North Melbourne. And uh, yeah, we'll just talk about our membership uh, program that we got going on at keeperleaguepod.com.au. So up there at the moment, what well, there since for, since October, really, we've had the uh, State League fantasy scores, Draft D fantasy scores have been up there since the draft. Breakout Tracker came out in January. Right now, we're in the midst of uh, releasing our rankings and uh, the mini episodes that go with them. So every Friday for the next uh, three weeks, we released Defenders last week. Uh, next three weeks, we're going to be releasing uh, rankings and uh, a mini episode talking about them too. So you can hear a, and a bonus podcast of us talking about mm. the, uh, the our top ruckman in the competition this yeah. Friday. Interesting um, takes, I think, coming up. I think so too. I haven't actually looked at yours again. So mm, mine are probably exciting. well. I realized mine didn't save uh, the other day as well, so I had to redo them today. So they're probably completely different again and look if I'm being honest they're probably going to change again before I publish them Friday as well so they're li- I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to keep mine live though so they're going to change um, change weekly for the pod man. as well you yeah. do, do what you want mate you run the show yeah true um, but anyway each week we're going to read out uh, we read out some of the uh, the gold members so um, yeah we'll keep doing that now but uh, before I say mention the gold members names I just want to mention the uh, gold members Facebook group as mm-hmm. well so if you're a gold member you get access to um, the Keeper League gold member Facebook group yep. and it was kind of just a bit of like a, I guess sort of a gimmick that we started off with but it's really actually starting to turn into a little community a little sounding board between a lot of the members to you know put their keepers out there and a lot of people comment on them and uh, there's some really good feedback on there as well and you know we don't have degrees in AFL fantasy or anything like that we're just plebs and I think we learn a lot from our listeners so I guess uh, yeah in this Keeper League uh, gold members group um, yeah it's just a good place to to learn a lot about AFL fantasy as well if you uh, yeah need some extra help and I think the best thing about that is that we can't talk about our keepers to each other because we're we're Correct. opposite coaches, you know, like, or someone in your own league. You can't you can't be like, who am I keeping out of these two guys? Because they're going to try and screw you over. So it's good to have a bit of a a bit of a trust tree, I suppose, of people you can talk to about your team, uh, get a bit of feedback there, and and also really, if you're actually looking to join a, a keeper league or a, yeah. or a new draft league, you know, the gold members groups a perfect opportunity for that uh, to meet some like minded people who are pretty keen on starting a, a pretty. Um, 
competitive uh, draft league. All right. So each week we'll read out some gold members. So here we go. Joseph Cagney, Joshua Hutchinson, Matty Rendell, Phil Brachier and Dave Quinlan. Thank you, gentlemen. All right. Thanks to those gold members. Uh, each week we read them out. So make sure you sign up. All the links are in the description below this podcast and whatever you're listening to um, it on. And so, yeah, if, you, if you're keen, uh, sign up and get access to all this awesome stuff. All right, Kay, let's move on to the listener questions. Moving on to the listener questions. Uh, GSK, this podcast has just ticked over an hour, 62 minutes, I think we're in. It's an hour of pure gold content. <laughs> just let us know if you want us to shut up and be more concise and no, get to the point. No. Uh, yeah, please, listeners, let they us know. They love the waffle. If we're too long, just please just give us some feedback. More waffle, uh, more waffle. But if you're, yeah, if you're happy with the waffle, just uh, let us know and we'll keep going. We'll make it longer if we need to. Uh, anyway, what's the first question? Uh, Dave Simpson. Uh, yeah, so this question actually came from the gold members group as well. Ooh, so nice. a bit of priority there um, Dave. Yeah, anyway so uh, anyway from Dave Simpson um, how much influence does Cam Ellis Yeoman's arrival have on the output of uh, Berry this season well uh, end of the day Berry only actually averaged 79 last year so he wasn't really putting out huge huge numbers uh, I think we've spoken a bit well I have I know about his um, viral issues before last preseason so I think Berry being naturally fitter and, and healthier I don't think uh, Ellis Yeoman's uh, arrival will help affect him too much I think it might even hurt someone more like a Jared Lyons a bit more so uh, Ellis Yolman you know inside ball uh, Lyons a bit similar in ways so the other thing is with Cam Ellis Yolman I know that he's you know made his way into a few best 22s and getting a bit of preseason hype which is fine but there is a lot of that new player at a new club hype with Ellis Yolman and he was actually borderline best 22 at the Crows last year who were quite sucky. So it's not like he's an absolute gun coming into Brisbane side. Like Brisbane finished in the top four, played in a prelim. You know, like it's not going to be an easy side to crack just because you've come across from Adelaide. So I'm not really buying into the Ellis Yolman hype a heap um, and I think they're going to stick quite fat with who they've got in their side, uh, the Lions. So I'm not too worried about his arrival. He might be handy when he plays a lot but I don't think he's going to really kill too many blokes at, at Brisbane. Yeah, look, well, I guess a lot of people might agree that, yeah, because he wasn't best 22 at Crows, that doesn't make him that good to an extent. But I think there are a lot of people out there as well that, well, there's a lot of players in the Crows side that probably probably didn't deserve a game ahead of him in the way he was performing the twos as well at times. Mm, yeah. So I guess going to another club will give him more opportunity. But yeah, that said, I don't see him best 22 straight away. But if he is in there, it definitely doesn't help Barry, I don't think. So just yeah. be wary if he does actually get a game. More worried about Jay Light, but you know, we can yeah, yeah. agree to disagree. Oh, well, I think I'm worried about all like, the more midfielders, the more the spread. That's yeah. all it is. So, True. Yeah. Uh, at James Plays FS, how much does Patton impact Mitch Lewis's scoring this season? Yeah, look, it's hard to tell because like he didn't really play alongside Roughhead last year. They were kind of in and out of the side at different times. Um, but yeah, it depends on Patton's fitness as well. He might not do anything. They might even play together. He might not mm. even get fit to play. Um, but look, if he does play, I don't reckon he'll do that much initially because Patton will need to get fitter and um, like he'll have to do a bit more of the work early. But when he does get fitter, they're probably going to have to share a bit more of the load. Um, that said, like... Look, he did have a few good games, but Lewis wasn't 
scoring huge though either. So yeah. is it really something you need to be worried about, I guess? Mitchell Lewis is just a really good full forward kind of type. He's going to be a Tomahawk, Jack Rewalt style scorer, I think. I think you know, he's not going to be an amazing yeah. uh, scorer. I don't, I, don't, think. I don't think many people would think him to go big next season, though. I guess for the future, it'll be fine. I yeah. think if both of those guys are at their peak, though, they could definitely complement each other as well when they you know, you know, yeah. play three or four years together. They could be a big duo that will score well. Someone like Kennedy and Darling that obviously yeah. go well together. Yep. You know, don't don't think it's all doom and gloom, but I guess the message is just wait and see. Yep. Side note with that and the whole Hawthorne setup is I think I'm quite keen on Luke Bruce and Jack Gunston back to some good scores in 2020. I think if they can get Patton and Roughhead, uh, Patton and Lewis kind of up and running in the, the key targets, I think that they can kind of play that, um, you know, ancillary role and get a few more cheap kicks, a few more easy goals and, and their scores will return a bit uh, higher to what they were in 2018 as opposed to 2019. I hope so. Um, anyway, okay, his next one's from at Tom Petters. What does he have to say? He has uh, Ed Langdon. What's he average at the Ds? He showed he's got a bit of a ceiling at Frio and his time on ground means he'll stay on the field. But can he go to the next level or will he plateau at that 90 to 95 player or will he regress? My gut feel is he'll be around that 90 mark uh, this year. Just um, We'll play the same role that he did play at Freer at Melbourne, but then has Tomlinson on the other wing to really kind of work with him. And they'll look to move the ball through both of them, I think. So a get-out-of-jail um, kind of option on well, – not a get-out-of-jail, but just a, a, a movement option of the ball um, in both sides of the wing on both sides of the field. So I think um, – they will probably eat into each other's scoring a little bit, mm-hmm. um, where I think he was more of a go-to to get that ball moving forward at Fremantle. Um, I don't trust wingers to really ever go 100-plus consistently anyway, so I don't think you can be too disappointed if he does go at 90, 95, that mark. Um, I don't know. What do you think, Case? Uh, I like Ed, 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 Ed Boy. <laughs> Egg Langdon. Uh, I like his um, consistency. Eggy. Like he's got <laughs> Can a we very- just refer to him as Egg for the year? Sure. <laughs> a big Egg. Um Hopefully we don't talk about him in the pod too much, but um, yeah, TG4P. Yeah, he is. Uh, he's got a really good floor. So yeah, he's just one of those guys that yes, he might might never get you know your one twenties, one thirties. He just never seems to score below like ninety, which is perfect for your you know. I don't know, mid four to mid six kind of range. Yeah. So um, he's a talent. I, I enjoy watching him play the footy. He's got a bit of dash about him, but uh, I kind of agree with you. He's never going to be a huge, huge, huge scorer. Yeah. Next question. Uh, at AJS Orca, what's Tom Mitchell worth in a trade? Um, probably more than you'll be offered and less than you'll want to take for him, I think. Coming back from injury, just I don't bother. No one wants to give up their true worth, and everyone wants more because of the uncertainty. Like, and then, then they're going to get because of the uncertainty. I think so. Mm. Just hold him. Like, if you've got him, hold him. And if you don't have him, just don't bother. Like, yeah. I've I've tried. I've inquired. It's just not worth it. Yeah, because people want to rate him as his yeah. as 2018 exactly. Tom Mitchell. But realistically, you don't know what 2020 Tom Mitchell looks like. Yeah, so you don't want to give up that amount for that as well. So yeah. just yeah, just don't bother. I agree. I agree there. <laughs> All right, uh, at Brisbane Bears, uh, how much can Angus Brayshaw bounce back? Uh, can he become a top 10 mid? Uh, no, I can probably easily name 20 better mids, I think. Um, look, he actually only averaged 105 in his PB year, which was 2018, which is pretty damn good, don't get me wrong, but uh, it's nothing amazing. He averaged 88 last year, and for me, I think he kind of hovers somewhere between that. Um, look, he could definitely get back to a 100, 100-ish midfielder. Yes, I think everyone gets excited about his ginormous ceiling, but the thing is that he is prone to a genuine stinker, which the elite really don't produce. You don't see like a Jack McRae getting 40s and 50s. So, um, at his best, he's fantastic. You know, like I'm still, yes, he's probably going to play more inside mid than he will than he had last year, which is completely understandable with the acquisition acquisitions that Melbourne have. But 
I'm still not necessarily sold on him that he's like the be-all and end-all of midfielders. I think there's a lot better, safer options. Yes, you can take a risk on him that he might become, a, uh, you know, a huge, huge, huge scorer. But I just, yeah, I just, it's just not worth it for me. I can see him. I can see him getting the top ten mid eventually. Um, some like, if, I guess if we look back to 2018, yes, big numbers, but that was his only good year. If you look at the preseason of last year when he continued to play that inside role, I know it's only preseason matches, but his scoring was absolutely bunter. And then I guess you get into the season, he's not playing that same role anymore, and that's why he regresses. Obviously, mm. if he can go back into it, I think he just needs to get the run in the position he's most comfortable in, and I reckon he's get a real crack at it. I just think it's too much of a roller coaster, but that's just me. Like, I think as Melbourne need to gel, if Melbourne can get back to that, Melbourne is the key factor, obviously. But True. if they get back to their form, he's going to play a big part in that. Now, Melbourne being Melbourne, that's no guarantee. Yeah, but yeah, if they can, I think he's going to be driving it. Hmm. Fair enough. All right. Um, at Wilson, geez, there's a barcode after this one. D eight seven zero one two eight six zero rolls uh, off the tongue. That yeah, one. yeah, real nice username. That one, Wilson. Anyway, uh, was last year a setback for Harry Morrison, or is he still progressing for a breakout? Yeah. Now I got that wrong in 2019, didn't I? You um, did. You definitely <laughs> did. Look, he, look, we, we're not perfect. I'm happy to admit my mistakes. You mate, never, you've never, you haven't made a mistake I since you were born. Admit my, 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 my personal motto is: you learn more from mistakes than winning all. The time I've never been apologised to you in the I don't know how many years you've got to earn it. You've got to earn it, mate. Yeah, it's a <laughs> regime that you run. Anyway, uh, look, he promised a lot after 2018, and, and 2019 was just a stinker. So you know, I've kind of gone cold on my boy Harry. Um, his PB in 2019 was 67, which is just unacceptable. And looking at his VFL numbers, he really didn't set the world on fire there too. Uh, he had nine games in the VFL, only averaged a 75 and had two tons. While he did have a 130 PB there, I just don't see him potentially hitting those numbers like I thought he would uh last year so he'll be around the mark for a spot especially early on with a few injuries uh at Hawthorne early on in the season but uh who knows after that you know we've talked about James Cousins we've talked about uh Dan Howe there's plenty other types similar like him even like Will Day who's coming to the side this year as a as a rookie he could potentially jump into a, a spot that would have been Morrison so I think last year was the year that he really needed to nail down that spot and I think he's on the back foot coming into 2020 could we see some good scores? Yes. Am I prepared to risk a high enough pick to take him? No. So D list. <laughs> Definitely D list. You got to D list where you take no, him sorry, in a redraft. I meant in real in real life. D listed. Uh, <laughs> that's harsh. I know. It's just livelihood, man. He's going to put food on the table. Mate, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. He's an AFL player. You never know. He should have invested his money wisely anyway. He would have. Um, he looks smart. Okay. Anyway, Kane Fairley, uh, what role do you think Jack Zebel will get? I think – I'm not really basing this on much because he looked like he was actually moving a little bit more towards midfield last season. But I think as he gets older, he's slowly going to transition into more of a midfield role and let some of the kids run through there mm. a little bit more. Um, I guess there's always been injury concerns with Zebel as well. And he's one injury, I think, away from just really losing all his speed and pace and having to play a full-time midfield role, which isn't the worst thing for North Melbourne because he's actually quite effective up there. So um, that's just how I see it. What do you think? Uh I think his role will depend on how someone like Jai Simpkin comes in or evolves, even a Bonar if he gets a chance, Zerha, held Dom Tyson, who knows. But uh, I think that they need a few more good midfielders to come into that group to really release him up forward. And I think if they want to win, he needs to play in their midfield. Like if North Melbourne actually want to have a crack at winning some games this year, their best side, he plays midfield. If they want to evolve some kids, uh, I think then he'll play forward and he becomes a bit little bit less fantasy relevant. But... Um, 
He's still got plenty of tricks left in him, Jack Zebo. It's just, I, I don't know. I just worry about North Melbourne in general. All right. Uh, next question, Kays. What is it? Uh, Nathan Riches. Which two out of Shepard, Gibbs, Parrish, Miller, Sinclair, Jaden Shaw, and McKenna would you retain? You got yeah. two there, Hef. Yeah, look, I, I look at it in two ways with this question. Um, short term, I reckon you keep Shepard and Parrish if you're, if you're hitting up a flag because you've got Parrish with the forward, Shepard as the defence, and I guess the other two I'm going to name are defenders. But they should go around that 80 mark this season. Like, they should that should be their minimum, 80. Mm-hmm. And they're the kind of, you know, those positional players you probably want if you're hitting up a flag. But I think long term, if you want the best players for the longest period of time, I think you go someone like Miller or Short. What do you think, Kate? You've got to have Miller in there. You can't have Shepard at all. You don't reckon? Nah, nah. I think as soon as Shannon, I just think as soon as Shannon Hearn drops off, he's like their go-to for a couple years. Wayne Miller could be like an absolute jet. Yeah, true. But like, he could not be it, too. I think <laughs> we said that going, last year. I think you're going Miller and then either a Parish or a Short. I yeah. think they're your two options out of those. Like he's, like we we said, and I think we mentioned earlier, like if you're going for if I if I'm going for a flag, I'm going to back someone in who's got a proven record. He's actually done it before. So then why not Bryce Gibbs? Um, because he is almost finished. Like he's not. Like last year, he stunk it up. They're talking about... So, he's already on the decline. And mm. now they're talking about playing across defence, which I think will improve his role. But he's no guarantee to be best 22 for mine, especially if they really go the youth road. So, that's yeah, just that's what worries fair. me there. I, he did actually cross my mind when I thought about short term. Yeah. But uh, that's why I said it on the others. You got a solid defender there who, if Hearn does kind of finish up soon, could go boost as well. Yeah. Um, and I think Parrish is having that forward status was handy. But yeah, long term, keep a league, actually thinking keep a league specific and not year to year, trying to win a flag type deal. I reckon go Miller and short mm. uh, next question is from Daniel Lazell if you had to have one Ruckman would you have McAvoy or Segler uh, look I'm going to go with Segler just because I'm actually worried about that defensive mm. warning sign it's so hard though because yeah like at the same time he like well, we just said it. We said it earlier. Like we can't really see it happening, but just that warning sign there just really hurts me. But no. I think long term Segler's probably going to be better. I don't know. No, I just can't see a world where they've just signed Jack Frost or whatever his name is, and Sam Frost, Sam Frost and John Patton to their list. They've got uh, Frawley back there. They've got Sicily. They've got Stratton. They've got Scrimshaw. They're not just going to play one of the best rockmen in the competition back at halfback because they can. Like, I hope you're right. But Alistair Clarkson is crazy, but I don't think he's that crazy, man. I hope you're right, but it's just spooked me, that's all. Yeah, I'm not buying into that that crap on Twitter. Good. Uh, Paul Milne, does Luke Jackson get a spot in the 22 along with Gorn at any stage? I don't know. If, probably not. But if he does, he won't score that well anyway. So unless you can really stash him, you've got a really deep dynasty type league. Mm. Like our league where you keep 16, absolutely no way you could even stash him. So he's not even worth it. Um, yeah, look, he's been likened to Brody Grundy. And look, when Brody Grundy's first year, um, people drafted him, obviously, but with like thinking they're never actually going to keep him or use him he went in the rookie draft of our first year's draft mm. now the guy who owns him has held him ever since uh, nine years on now yeah. um, best ruckman in the comp got him off the rookie list that type of thing um, so you never know with a player like this especially if he's got those kind of wraps under his belt um, but that said I just don't see it happening with Gorn in the side Proust is going to come in before he does there's talk of him being a better forward than Proust like he's actually got forward pedigree mm-hmm. and that might be the way he plays um, we'll get into the side but I don't see it I just don't see him scoring well enough to be a keeper option at the end of the year anyway not this season but if you can yeah. stash him I think he's going to be worth the stash for sure for sure alright yes, on to James Brennan uh, another regular on the pod um, when will North Melbourne merge with Gold Coast and play all their games outside of the regular season in Tasmania as a lawn bowls club I love this take man <laughs> did you see the Gold Coast season launch photo uh, yes there was like 12 people yeah, there I really felt sad for them it was yep. really bad um 
Look, I don't know. I'm worried about Gold Coast. You know, like, yes, their team's not great, but when you've got, like, 14 people rocking up to your season launch in a park, that's not great for uh, not great for the, the AFL, I don't think at all. Um, and, yeah, North Melbourne are a bit of a basket case. So, interesting. Okay, uh, there was I think there's one missing that I must have accidentally uh, deleted, and it's that? the best question of the night, I mm-hmm. think. So, yeah, accidentally deleted it. So, you haven't actually probably seen this question, but here it is. Um, okay. This is from Brent Costello, yep. and he is asking, um, who would you keep for your final spot on your list, Christian Petrarca <laughs> or Callum Brown? I think it pains me to say this, but I'd have to keep Christian Petrarca. Yes, we got him. We finally got him. Yeah, I was like, would you rather keep Christian Petrarca or a small twig? You know, like Callum Brown might be a gun. Callum Brown could very well be a gun, but like I think the safer option is Christian Petrarca. Definitely the short-term option is Christian Petrarca, but- Short-term? What is he, like 24? Yeah, but I mean, like, he's going to score this year better than Callum Brown. That's short-term. Have food. you seen Petrarca on the track? He's a beast at the moment. Yeah. yeah. Well, is he winning know, time trials? If he was, thing, you'd be like, all over him. looks like Tarzan plays like Jane, you no, know, like that. He's a, I've keep, I keep saying this all the time. Petrarca is a fantastic footballer, but he just is not a fantasy player. He's going to be an 80-plus average forward that keeps forward status every year. He's perfect. He's perfect for keeper leagues. Uh, yeah, but, like, does he excite <laughs> me? No. I think there's a bit of bias. You hate him. There's not. I don't reason. actually hate him, man. It's you just do. like everyone gets so jacked up about him and it's just like, oh, Petrarca scored another 73 even though he was on 50 at quarter time. You know, like, he's got that Darcy Parish about him. Like, come on, like, you can score. Do it for four quarters. Don't be such a don't be such a flop. You All know? right, like, we've got to wrap this up because we're approaching 80 minutes here. So I can just, talk about this a bit long. longer if you want. No, nah, I, I said I kept this one to last because I knew it would be a juicy little bit of a debate. But... Brent. Anyway, <laughs> you've got me, man. You got me. <laughs> Triggered. <laughs> All right, let's wrap this one up. So, uh, yeah, that brings us to a close for another week. Uh, only two more preseason or analysis episodes we got, and then really? it's straight into the Mars series. I think Hell, it is. That's quick. Yeah, so I think we're over halfway now. So way over halfway. Nice. So, um, yeah, then we're into the Mars series, and then we've got oh, a week no. off. And uh, not Mars. Is it Mars? Yeah, not yeah, Mars series. Yeah, sorry, keep getting confused. Mars series, and then uh, we're into we're gonna have a, we're gonna have a All Stars game in there as well, and then we're basically into the season. So now yeah. you shouldn't promise. The listeners that next pod will go for less than 80 minutes because we're actually talking about port so oh, well, I might just take the first hour of the pod off I reckon we should just in. we should split it and just have an 80 minute episode on Port Adelaide and then we'll have a short uh, one you can do that <laughs> I won't be a part of that crap <laughs> okay whatever alright uh, all right, wrapping it up that's what we're supposed to be doing so yes. yeah, check out our socials um, look they're all in the descriptions I don't have to read them all out Facebook, Twitter, Instagram all the major ones YouTube as well come uh, come check those out check all the content we're going up there lots of videos lots of uh, cases best 22s all that mm. sort of stuff um so yeah check it out and uh yeah we'll catch you next week see you guys